This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. These shows are brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation. Remember, we post a new show every Thursday at 9 o'clock California time and 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. We hope that you'll visit our Open to Hope site often as we've got articles by uh, our wonderful authors. We have one or two articles every day on our site, so we hope that you'll tell folks about our site and also visit us often. And you can also, um, there's an area there, tell us your story if you'd like to blog in on our site. Well, good morning, Heidi. Good morning, Mom. We've got an an interesting topic today because we really haven't talked a lot about fiancés, have we? Um, we haven't. No, we haven't. In fact, you know, um, I worked with many fiancés after nine eleven, and they felt like they were very they were a very minimized group. They said that the they felt the widows got a lot of attention and play, and people really acknowledged and validated their loss. But the fiancés didn't feel that way, even though their connections were just as strong, they felt, Yeah, the guys that died. Yeah, it can be a real problem, because I know I've worked with some military families where there was a fiancé, and they don't have any say over anything as far as the body or what's going on or, you know, the event. The family kind of takes over, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, they can have some of your stuff in their house and some items you'd like back and, you know, that kind of thing, and you just don't get any attention around that. You're right. That's the other piece of it. There is no, you have no control over anything that that happens. Absolutely. Unless the family's, you know, willing to bring you in, you are kind of an outsider. Yeah, absolutely. So, and don't have say, mm-hmm. which I think would be really hard because, I mean, these are guys you were going to marry and spend the rest of your life with and obviously very, very in love with. Right. Well, Cheryl Edwards is going to talk to us uh, today and t- talk about her a fiancé that was killed in Vietnam when she was 18, many years ago. But it's going to be very interesting to hear about her journey because she chose to uh, go into counseling and helping others as a profession uh, due to, you know, this experience that she had happen. And she has her own counseling service, uh, Preferred Counseling in Fort Smith, Arkansas. We met her at the ADAC conference, I think. Isn't that right, uh, Cheryl? Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> well, we, Heidi and I want to welcome you on the show today. We're excited. It's always fun to meet people and then uh, have it come through and, and have them on the show. And as I said, we were particularly interested in your interest in um, the fiancé idea. So tell us a little bit about your experience that happened. What, 30, how many years ago did you say? I don't want to date you, though. <laughs> it's, uh, I know. You're really going to date me now. I don't look this part, I'm sure. Uh, but it's been almost 40 years now. Uh-huh. That's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Um, I guess I didn't remarry. I didn't marry until three years after uh, my fiance's death. And at mm-hmm. that time, I was so young. Uh, they didn't allow you to be engaged, let alone married, and still complete high school. So mm-hmm. uh, we had dated uh, off and on from the age of fifteen. And back in the small town of Salem Springs, Arkansas, uh, it was pretty well, you know, known that, hey, we were a couple of the families all, uh, we rodeoed together and, uh, we did quadrilles together. And so, uh, 
we knew that that's exactly what we were going to do, and, and the family was really good about involving me in a lot of the, the planning as far as what we were going to do as, as far as the funeral went once he was killed. Uh, he was only in Vietnam for about three months, and being 17, not I didn't turn 18 until I actually he was killed on my 18th birthday. Wow. And what was his he, name? He was, he was killed on your birthday, you said, Joe? Yes, yes. That's awful. Uh, and so the body wasn't brought back for two weeks. After and and what is his name? Rex Blizzard. Rex, okay. Rex. So, so you heard about, how did you hear about Rex? Uh, getting Actually, um, the, uh, I guess the serviceman came to his mother's home, and then she called my mom, and she came to school because I was a senior in high school mm. and got mm-hmm. me out of school. Wow. Wow. So young to have such a significant loss in your life. It was devastating. And, you know, um, mm-hmm. I don't think people give teenagers credit for the emotions and the feelings that they have because they're real. Uh, And, of course, I've lived long enough now to even measure it. At that time, it was really like, okay, maybe it's just puppy love and maybe, you know, this isn't for real. But, honestly, those intense feelings have not Mm -hmm. been measured uh, to any greater extent. Uh, Right now I am going through, my mom is in hospice, and I oftentimes have that same feeling now preparing for her death as I did when uh, I found out about Rex. But we were naive. We didn't think that was going to happen. We were Christians, and we thought that because of that, we were going to be protected. And, oh, my, it just crashed my world. And there you are in high school, and uh, I'm sure, you know, you're supposed to be having a great senior year or whatever, and, uh, wow, that must have been incredible for you. Now, he must have been, he was out of school? Yes, he was two years older and had joined the service. His brother had already been over there and had come home. And none of us really had supported him doing it. He didn't talk to me or his family, so it was one of those things he felt led that he had to do. Uh, And it's so important for our servicemen for us to to back them and support them, and I see that in my my care now as far as a counselor, Um, how important it is that they have their family backing, even if at that time we're scared to death. Mhm. Mhm. So, um what and I know that as a result of all this, one of your things is teen uh, working with teenagers, right? Oh, yes. Um I have I guess focused on that. I I guess uh, another sort of ironic thing is that uh, uh 3 years after Rex's death, I dated and married a funeral director. Uh a lot mm-hmm. of people had sort of been afraid of dealing with anyone who was involved with death, and it was too scary for them. But in, in my life, it was like I felt I needed to help others uh, be mm-hmm. able to find answers, to find ways to deal with it, to be healthier, because there was no one. No one understood it. No one, as you said, recognized or validated my loss. Uh, it was almost like it, it was non-existent after the funeral. And, and teenagers want you to get over it. I mean, they don't want you to ruin the party, right? Exactly. And they didn't know how to handle it. And honestly, my minister didn't know. My Sunday school teachers, my parents didn't know. I remember after about three months, my grades plummeted. I'd been an honor student, and I had was a cheerleader. I was everything at the time in the school, and everything just came to a stop for me. 
uh, and they all started coming to me in three months saying, you know, you need to get on with it. But at that time, we didn't really have counselors. We didn't know about right. grief and death. And, and Cheryl, would they say things like, you know, there's other boys, you'll meet another boy, you'll fall in love, you're young. Oh, yeah. You're Those young. Those kind of things yeah. that yes, kind of exactly. minimize your loss. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that certainly did not help me. That wasn't what I needed to know or hear. And I had no understanding. And honestly, those around me did not either. Mm-hmm. Was there anybody who had had an experience that stepped forward? or You know, at that time, no. There wasn't. He is the only one that was killed in Salem Springs. He's the only one that was killed in the Vietnam War. And, in fact, just last year, they did a uh, special memorial to him, and I had the newspaper contact me. And, and ladies, it was it was like it had been a long time ago, and as, as I was talking, I didn't realize the amount of emotion that I was going to have. But it was mm-hmm. like it had happened just yesterday once I started talking to the newspaper reporter. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's cool. Uh. No. no. Now, when you said you felt like no one really knew what you needed, what at that time would have been helpful? I mean, you were 18 years old, you were a teenager. What what did you need and what would have been helpful for all of our listeners out there that have teenagers or no teenagers and are not sure what to do? To recognize that their feelings really count, that they mm-hmm. really have this depth of love that is just as validated and as real as anyone else who knew that person and loved that person to realize mm-hmm. that uh, we were the integral, important person to the person, to the guy who died, uh, and that he would want our feelings and our desires expressed and acknowledged. Uh, to have others mm-hmm. come to you and, and support you in just wanting to cry, to just be able to talk about, experience good times with that person. Uh, I really didn't have anyone I could talk with. No one really mm-hmm. wanted to hear that. They wanted me to move on. Uh, and it made them uncomfortable when I would want to even just talk about the good times that we had together. And they could also, I assume, discount you as a teenager or, you know, too. Exactly. Again, you know, that wasn't real. Right. And I would think one of the things you re- you really, really lost was the future you thought you were going to have. And I would think, you know, it would be, you know, thinking about, I wonder what it would have been like if Rex had ended up living and we had ended up having a life together. What would that look like over the years? Isn't that amazing? Because it was so, he's totally different. And I think maybe I did this on purpose in my selection is that I did not want to have memories. So, uh... The guy that I am married to, and thank heavens he's a fabulous and wonderful man. We've been married now almost 38 years. Uh, mm-hmm. He is totally opposite. He didn't have anything to do with rodeos, nothing to do with horses. Uh, he was an athlete, but uh, his, he had a whole different scope. He lived in a city, not in mm-hmm. the little country where I thought we would be. Uh, so it was a whole different life because I could not have that connection. I did mm-hmm. not want the connection to the life that Rex and I had together. You know, it's it's interesting that you should talk about the fact that uh, the families need to recognize the relationship that this person had with you that died. Heidi, I, I just lost it. What was the name of the movie that we were involved with? with uh, you the know, Greatest. Oh, The Greatest. Do you remember one of the things in that movie um, was that the girl came to the family and 
and the mother didn't want to deal with the fact that uh, her son who had died, that this girl was more important than she was to him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, that love, yeah. that intensity yeah. of the love, just, I think you're that right. That connection. It, it doesn't, doesn't. And young get... love is so intense. Yeah. So, so intense. Yeah. It is. It is, it is. Now, and in my instance, I have to admit that uh, his mother was probably my best ally. She had been mm, very nice. sick and had a, a devastating disease. Um, and so he had been one of her biggest supporters and often had come home uh, from training more so than other young men had because she had been critical several times. And mm. so she was the one that actually reached out to me. Uh, I think that uh, at that time, most of the adults in my life did not want me to express that. They didn't want me to feel hurt and want to see me crying. So they thought the least that I would be involved in the funeral and those decisions was going to help me. You know, that's really what they felt. They did not know what we know today that is so cathartic that we are uh, helping each other when we start planning the funeral and working toward, you know, what song selection and, and what would he want as far as his favorite color and et cetera. Well, his mother asked me many of those questions. Oh, that's great. What, a, what an insightful lady. You know, that reminds me of, uh, of the idea that, you know, people don't want funerals and all that. And I'm always like, the funeral's for the family, not for the person who dies. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, of course, mm -hmm. being in the funeral industry now, um, I certainly see that if we can help families get through about the first three stages of grief before that funeral is over, they are so much healthier. Mm -hmm. and, and they seem to do their grief work uh, in a much healthier manner. But if we don't have that time, that opportunity to help them express what they're feeling and share that with others and and sort of find the, the way that they can express to their loved one the last things that they wanted to say to them or be with them. Then yeah. it's so much more difficult. Now talk about here I am, I have lost a fiancé or a loved one or uh, and I'm young. What, what would you suggest to me? What can I do? What if I feel like people, uh, you know, don't understand? What, what should I do? What helped you? Did your animals help you? I was thinking about your horses. Oh, yeah. My horse was my best friend next to him, of course. And so, yeah, animals are so, so wonderful if you have those. Uh, you know, oftentimes we don't have those, but if we do have even cats and dogs, let alone your horses, uh, they, they sympathize with you. And, you know, they also go through mourning. I really believe that animals know that if you're close to your animal, they sense there's something wrong with you. And mm -hmm. they are very compassionate in their own way with you. Right. We actually got a dog after uh, Scott died. And I happen to be an animal lover. I don't recommend to everybody to do it because, you know, there is a responsibility be behind having animals. But we found the dog was great because people could focus on the puppy. And, you know, there was because, uh, you know, with the kids, people could come up and talk about the dog if, if it was uncomfortable. So that, you know, that worked for us. But what what else do you suggest? How did you get through it? And, and what if I'm trying to get through it? And and I think one thing that you show us is that you do get through it and you move on and you don't forget Rex and you don't forget what you did together. And it, it but it all becomes part of the fabric of life. Uh, I think it took me almost three years to get through that, though, mm -hmm. uh, to come to a, a place that and I think, again, his mom helped me. She, after about three years, told me, 
uh, one day we were going to lunch, and she said, you know, um, I think Rex would want you to move on. Uh, he wouldn't want you to be alone. And uh, it's time for you to find a, a future. And that was so helpful to me because I had felt so guilty that if I did start to date or if I did start to uh, meet or see another person that I could even think about my future with, that I would uh, be dishonoring him mm-hmm. uh, because it would it would almost uh, discount the love that we had. And yet she was able to help me understand that that wouldn't be true. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you do after high school then? Did you go on to college or work or what? Yep, I went on to college. had a college scholarship, Victorian, and uh, uh, was in college for about three years and was in a singing group and toured Europe. And uh, I guess it was as I was, I won Miss Rodeo Arkansas and was first runner-up to Miss Rodeo America. And at wow. one of the competitions that I was in, uh, I met my husband, who didn't know one end of a horse from the other. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I think is really important here, Heidi, is I know there are a lot of parents out there, and I know there are a lot of people out there who are young that have lost someone who are thinking, will I ever have a life again? And, and Cheryl, it's wonderful to hear the things that you did do, even though when you're going through the loss, and it can still be there very deep, but you were at doing things, which I, I think sometimes we have to remember that even though teenagers and young adults are doing things, we, you know, they're still remembering, even though, you know, it's not like, wow, they moved on and isn't that great. They're still kind of there and, and things are going on, but it's great to see people move on, isn't it, Heidi? Absolutely. And like you said, teenagers are very good at hiding how they're feeling because they want to appear normal. I'm sure Cheryl can speak to this like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So just because a teen doesn't seem like they're grieving doesn't mean that they're not grieving. Because so many parents I work with are terrified that their children are not grieving because they're not openly expressing their grief to their parents. And I don't know how you feel about that, Cheryl. You probably see that when you work with teens. They may talk to their friends more than their own parents about it. Without a doubt, you know, I I don't think that I talked to my parents because I knew that they were grieving also. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, therefore, I didn't, I guess I didn't trust that they would validate my feelings, and also I didn't want them to feel bad. And mm-hmm. so instead, you're right, I would, there was one in particular friend that wasn't threatened by me crying and did not feel uh, that they had to have an answer for me. They just let me mm-hmm. ask all my questions and yet would tell me they didn't know, and you know that was okay. And and then that's why I'm so... And, excited about doing internet counseling with teens and also uh, I do a study now on their grief work on the internet using social networking. Oh great. Now how do we how do how do people find you doing that? Uh yeah, well, how would teens pro- find you? Uh well of course that's a good question because what I'm trying to do now is, is start up uh it's called uh Goodbye Yuck and it's on Facebook, and it's mm-hmm. really trying to help people understand that we can get through this, and it helps giving parents some ideas on how to reach their teens, and then also some teens some idea that, you know, it's okay to, to find humor in things. I was afraid to laugh. 
uh, it's okay to do that because it's life. And, and there's going to be moments that we are happy, and yet there's moments when we're not. That's part of grief work. Uh, it's also okay to reach out to others, and I know that so many of my clients have started their own blogs, have uh, gone to the Facebook now that uh, these teenagers who have died had Facebooks, and now mm-hmm. they're memorializing that and going on and, and saying, and they're joining others and finding others that can share in the good memories, that, that the fun times that they had with each other. Uh, and then also sometimes there's some individuals who have are still really struggling and over a year and they go back to that site and oftentimes it's others that say, hey, why don't you, you know, get a, a, a hold of this counselor. I get my first session free for teenagers just because I want to give them some educational materials and some tools and and not all of them need, you know, extensive counseling, but some just need a little boost to understand what they're going through and uh, help get some. So, so Cheryl, your your Facebook page, Goodbye Yuck, is for teenagers? It's for teenagers and for parents. Uh, oh, what they can do is go through there, and we pick up things from YouTube, and we can pick up things from we're in fact, we just got some new equipment that we're starting to implement so we can do things even more uh, I guess quickly on it. We haven't really promoted it hugely yet, but that's the first thing that my son, who is thirty three now uh, he is also into internet marketing, and he's helping me set that up and he and I talked about Facebooking and how we started this site at the ADEX conference. Wonderful. That's I love great. It, we know how much teenagers are plugged into Facebook and the Internet. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. Well, Cheryl, it's been great talking to you and uh, a, a great show. I know it's going to be helpful for a lot of people and people can. Now, do you want them to find you on a, on a website or just to go to Goodbye oh, Yet? Sure, no, go to my website. And give us your website. And that's preferredcounseling.net. Okay, preferredcounseling.net to get a hold of Cheryl and and goodbye, Yuck. And and thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been great talking to you and great meeting you. And we'll see you at the next ADAC conference, I hope, in Florida. I appreciate all that you all are doing. I really applaud you for doing this. Oh, thank you. Cheryl, thank you so much for helping the world and for helping teenagers after loss. You're a real inspiration to everyone out there. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi. Thanks. You've been listening to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Please join us on our site, uh, the Open to Hope site, next week. Uh, We'll have a new show posted on Thursday at 9 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Stay tuned in. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.